This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. I'm Michael Rustad. I'm co-director of the Intellectual Property Concentration with Andy Beckerman Rodeau and also the Thomas F. Lambert Jr. Professor of Law here at Suffolk University Law School. The new article is actually with three collaborators, Rick Buckingham, Diane D'Angelo, and Kate Deerlocker, who is a JD student here at Suffolk. And our article is actually comes out of an empirical study we did on contracting practices on social networking sites. We include things like Facebook and LinkedIn and Second Life, eHarmony, Flickr. We actually have a larger empirical study. This is the largest empirical study ever done of social media and how terms of service agreements are constructed. Our study is of 157 different sites. They involve two kinds of contracts, both terms of service agreements and privacy policies. And very little was known about these agreements and what their terms were, so we decided to take a close look. First, we looked at is that these terms of use agreements use the language of contract law, but we think that they're masquerading in the clothing of contract law in that they're basically take-it-or-leave-it kinds of waivers. They use the language of contract, but they're really more like a product which divests consumers of very important procedural and substantive rights. The terms of service, when you think of Woody Allen's famous movie, Annie Hall, and the figure of Singer, when he talked about life being divided into the horrible and the miserable, terms of service agreements have that quality. That We found that there are many, many defects in what we would consider contract formation. Any contract scholar would consider contract formation. Some of them have what I could characterize as drive-by contracting. In other words, YouTube asserts that anyone who visits the site is subject to the terms and conditions and privacy policies. Second point is that these social media sites often reserve the rights to modify or revise their terms at any time. These are called rolling contracts. They first emerged in software licensing and have now infected social media. I say infected in that many of these contractual terms lack a means for the manifestation of assent, let alone any kind of fairness or symmetry in their terms. Another way you could characterize them is almost being sneak wrap. What I mean by sneak wrap is that the terms are not transparent. For example, you could be agreeing to one of the terms of service and then additionally agreeing to other agreements which you wouldn't even have had an opportunity to have inspected. For example, a user could agree to the terms of service and then the privacy policy is rolled into that. Reasonable user wouldn't know that they're consenting to the privacy policy without even looking at them. And we know empirically the research shows that very few people even read these agreements, let alone understand that they're divesting themselves of important sites. Another thing about our study is, is that we looked at a number of variables. We were focusing primarily on the use of mandatory arbitration clauses. And one of the things that we're finding is that over a quarter of our sample basically require their users to divest themselves or to lose their right to a jury trial and submit to mandatory arbitration. Typical example would be Keychup, where the user agrees to submit themselves to binding arbitration in Newbury, England. We know that a U.S. consumer is, this is effectively a no remedy at all. Another one, for example, that I remember was that arbitration was to be conducted under the law of India its Arbitration Act of 1996, and the arbitration would be conducted in person in Mumbai. These agreements 
also do very little to describe what kind of rights are waived. They're typically very minimalist in any kind of disclosure. The best one we found was actually Match.com, which is a paid site where they actually just say that you're waiving the right to a jury trial, you're waiving any right to participate in class action, and they actually use conspicuous text. They have, for example, at least made some effort to show that when you're agreeing to their terms of service, you may be losing certain rights. Now, the sample that we looked at was very diverse. We found that these social network sites are sweeping the legal landscape like a prairie fire, and they involve shared interest groups such as obvious being Facebook, friendship and family-oriented sites, business and education, blogging, and micro-identity. And what we mean by this is identity-driven. They could be based on race. They could be on age. They could be also on hobbies, such as the Knitters United, dating and relationship, language, ethnicity, and culture, health, and medical. And basically, the mandatory clauses are what we are really focusing in on. And most of them show that basically... They may even take the language of being somewhat elective. They'll say that either party may elect arbitration, which in effect then is mandatory arbitration. The second thing is, is that the arbitration providers are sometimes not even specified. Sometimes it will be the Hong Kong International Arbitration Center or the Arbitration and Mediation Center in another foreign country. The most common one was the American Arbitration Association. Some of these terms that we're most concerned with from a consumer perspective is that there's no notice that's been given that these users are waiving their right to a jury trial. And we found that only 13% of our sample would there been any kind of notice that was given that you were losing your right to pursue things in a court. Second one we're finding is, is that even if there had been a pending class action Users are prohibited from even joining the class action. I think what's troubling about this is that many of these, I would characterize the damages would be very small dollar damages that you can imagine. For example, if your privacy has been invaded by cookies that have been dropped, we're not talking about a large amount of money. So the only way you could vindicate your right would be joining by others who are similarly situated. So one of these class actions then would make it impossible for you to find legal representation. Another troubling aspect is the fees far exceed what's at stake in many of these kinds of offenses. And the agreements don't even mention fees. In fact, we only found 67% where there was actually no mention whatsoever that there was a fee. When you look at this, the bulk of these, the conclusions that we would draw from here is that Reminds me of a federal bankruptcy judge described the widespread use of mandatory arbitration in another setting as being a putrid odor which is overwhelming to the body politic. The overwhelming conclusion from the study is that these things are done in a way that is not fair to consumers, they are imbalanced, and they really violate all of the due process protocol that have been established by, the, by groups like the American Arbitration Association. I think the most important thing, though, is, is that social media sites are not just in the United States. These would not be enforced outside of the United States, particularly in Europe, where there's mandatory rules. Just by way of example, many of the terms of service have a choice of forum clause. While the Brussels regulation says that consumers have a non-waivable right to litigate in their home court, so they would mean you can now assume that none of these agreements would be enforced in Europe. Second point is under the Rome 1 regulation, there's also consumer rules, which these social media sites violate. And that rule is that you have the law of the home court 
and the social media agreements we looked at would impose the social media provider's home court as opposed to the consumer's. Finally, under the Unfair Contract Terms Directive, you could just take apart a lot of these agreements and find that they would violate those. So I think there's good reasons for businesses who are doing these social media sites to really revisit and do audits to provide some fundamental fairness. And even if they do provide adequate notice of things like the jury trial, the costs and so on, our study says that it is questionable whether these would be enforceable outside the United States. The new article is available online at SSRN, and it'll be forthcoming in the University of Arkansas Little Rock Symposium issue on ADR. So ours is an article that will be published over the summer, but you can find it online. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.